Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. So we're thankful this morning, um, and I'm thankful for that to which we were called. And I think we're walking that. We're beginning to walk out the end time purpose of the church. And last week we started, last week we were blessed to listen to Pastor Tom and Kirsty share about, about the Hebridean revival. And uh, it was a blessing to hear everything that they said. Um, and I want to carry on a little bit this morning and talk a bit more about the... Um, you could call it a reflection on revival or keys to revival. And I've kind of changed what I, I said I was going to preach on, but I think that this is for such a time as this. But revival is something that we sang a song actually this morning, um, our second song. What was our second song? I forget the title of it. <laughs> Hosanna. Yeah. And I see a near revival Revival is, is so tied up in vision. Revival is so tied up in what we all see in our hearts and how we take that and how we walk it out. And it's, no, it's, no, um, it's probably no coincidence that when revival comes, um, when God is trying to do any move, when he moves, things try and stop the move and it's just like it's just like being in in a war um there's there's a an offense and a defense yeah in a war and when something comes against the church what we have to be aware of is that we don't become the passive church but we become actually the offensive church and I know that there's some people here that love their football, but you can kind of see it on the football field sometimes. If a, if a manager knows that the, te- that the other team is stronger, sometimes they say to their team, I just want you to sit right back and defend as hard as you can. And, and hopefully we can hold them off long enough to get through the 90 minutes. And this kind of passive mentality comes upon people we're going to sit back and we'll defend but I believe that God's calling us onto the offensive and I believe that God wants us to wage war the the weapon may be formed but it won't prosper the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're spiritual amen they're mighty to the pulling down of strong of strongholds and the longer we adopt a passive position, the more likely it is under siege that we will eventually be defeated. And we don't, we're, not, we're not the defeated church, we're the victorious church, amen? So we can turn the tide on the enemy. And, and it takes the church, the body of Christ, not just the bridge church co-winning in air, but the body of Christ working together to turn the tide on the enemy. And whenever the enemy attacks that he always does the same thing. He will try and make you feel intimidated and, and afraid and scared and fearful. And I, 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 
I, for, I personally sense that at times. You feel the intimidation of the enemy. And then we say, Father God, we need your peace. We know we have your victory. Now we need your peace. And then we have to say, what weapons are available to us? But now remain these three things, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest weapon that we have. Love, loving, not only the agape love of God that God loves us with, because we, we, we sometimes don't have the same agape love that God has for us, for others, but when we begin to flow in the agape love of God, then those schemes and wiles of the enemy will not be able to penetrate the church. And so we need to attack, and how do we do that? Faith, hope, Love, desire spiritual gifts, pray, desire to prophesy. Prophecy encourages the church. Once, we, once, um, once there's prophecy, once we, we know that it's from God and we meditate on it, prophecy helps us. Bind the devil. And also another way to attack the enemy, sow seed. Not, not just financial seed, but sow seed. Be a soul winner. Instead of defending the one, go out and win the lost. So I see much more to the, the days, months, and years ahead than what we just see here now. And finally, apply the blood of Jesus. Apply the blood of Jesus. Whenever we pray, whenever we remember, remember the blood of Jesus. You know, even... even Today, I, when we, we were having our silence, how many of you thought about the lives lost cut short and the blood that was given? And on foreign fields, not even at home. We had the home garden. We had people who stayed here. But for all of those men and women that went to foreign fields and they gave, they gave the ultimate sacrifice, and it's actually so humbling, so humbling, to know that that, 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 was, that was all for us. And so today I just want to share a few thoughts on, on this subject of revival. And I'm um, thankful because I got a, a transcript from someone, I think it came from Sue, about the, um, the Hebridean revival, which I, I, I read through from Francis, from Francis. Well, wherever it came from, I was thankful to get it. <laughs> And um, it was interesting to know that revival was already there before Duncan, Duncan Campbell arrived to participate. The seeds of revival had already been sown. And um, it wasn't an organized effort or anything. And uh, how many times have we heard people saying, we're going to organize a revival meeting? We, we want to organize a revival meeting and then hope that God's going to come. <laughs> but it happened totally the other way around. God was already moving and he needed, it sounds to me, he needed as little intervention from man as possible. He, needed, he didn't need the church to do that much except to pray. And so we don't just organize a revival. A revival is a, is a sovereign it's a completely f fresh move of God, and revivals will not all look the same either. 
And the other thing is you can have, there was a revival in, in the Hebrides that spread, but what, who's to say there can't be a revival in West Kilbride or in Co-Winning? Amen. <laughs> or in Irvine. And so the key to the revival was this heartfelt prayer and these women praying consistently. And, and they prayed without wavering. They were consistent. And later on, they actually admonished the clergy and says, right, you guys, you need to come and pray with us. We're getting a barn. Okay, well, let's get a barn and let's pray. They actually weren't in the same place. They went to a barn and they began to pray. And revival began to touch the community before man intervened. They began to get conscious of God. And you might say, well, that's easy for them back in the 1940s because they didn't have all of the distractions that we have. But actually, this, the devil hasn't changed. His, his schemes and plans are still the same then as they are now. He doesn't want people to live in faith and be in relationship with the Lord Jesus. And the key, the key verse of the revival was in Isaiah 44. And it said... I will pour water on a thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. And I thought, wonderful. That means future. I will, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. So that means future. That means Lewis's wanes and Izzy's wanes. And for the youngest people here, it means that there is a future promise. I will pour water on the thirsty land. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. And some will say, I belong to the Lord. And others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. And then it says, still others will write on their hand, the Lord's, and will take the name of Israel. And I wondered about that. I wonder, does that mean putting a tattoo in your hand? I belong to Jesus. I am the Lord's. But back in those days, you, you may have your master. If you were a slave, you might have your master's name or tag or something on your body. And I believe what it's talking about is that you are no longer a slave to idolatry but your, your, your allegiance is with the Lord Jesus Christ. So this, it's like the writing on your heart, I belong to the, to the Lord. And um, whatever way it appears, but it's this, it's always the heart, I belong to the Lord. We're no longer slaves of technology. I, I, I believe that one day technology is going to crash badly, badly. And everything that we thought we had that's in a cloud will no longer be there. And then all of us, and I don't, and, and I love um, uh, Bible, the, the, the Bible app and all of these things, but how many of us may have a Bible that hasn't been used or written in or, I just be believe that we should be putting our thoughts on paper we should go back to a pen and paper. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I was going to say I'm not old. I mean, but, you know, um, 
I just have a real, I just, not only is, the, is writing an art that is lovely and, and you can enjoy it and it's good for your soul, it connects you to the paper. I, 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 you, can, you, can, you, can write a, you could write a testimony or a, or a sermon on paper with a pen and you would, it would be anointed because it's come through this, this, the way that things God intended to be papyrus and reeds and things. It's just something about it. And we've all been taken down this track of technology, which I'm, I'm afraid may one day just vanish. So, amen. Um, so this, this whole thing tells me that vision's a key part of revival and young people were the subject of one of these visions. These, there was... The young were a part of this whole thing, young people. And the attack on our young people today is, is very normally through technology, different types of technology and what we can access by technology. Another key component of the revival was in Psalms 24. And that is that it says that the blessing of the Lord, not just any blessing, but the blessing of the Lord will come upon you if, read this, Psalm 24 from verse 3, who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear deceitfully, he will receive the blessing from the Lord. The King James Version says he will receive the blessing. And I know that you, it's, we all, it's good to live under the general blessing of God, but to receive the blessing of God is awesome, isn't it? The, the blessing. Such is the generation of those who seek, the, of those who seek him. And that's what, that is our prayer. That a, that a new generation seeks him in a very powerful way and that they begin to do things that perhaps we've neglected to do because we were all around in the advent of this new digital age. They've been brought up in it. I, think, I, I feel that some people are just going to say, I've had enough of it and I'm going to go back to the simplicity of life and do my life. You know, isn't that, that's a good saying, do your life. Do your life and do it simply. And I thought to myself, what comes out of this? And it is this. Right relationship with God matters. And one of the young men that was part of this revival, he was a young deacon, recognized that without clean hands and a pure heart, Th their prayers that we're praying in this barn for a month and a half could have continued for another month and a half. And one day, one day he said, enough is enough. We've been praying long enough. And he held God to, God to his word. And you might think, well, that's a bit arrogant. But no, God's a covenant God. And he's bound by his word. And that's why we can all take a hold of his word and we can stand on it and believe on it. So there was, this, there was this openness to have truthful reflection. Where are, we really at as a where are we really at as a church, as a community? 
And even in the company of other people, people were not afraid to, to let their heart speak what it needed to speak. They needed it to speak out to the Lord Jesus, and they just, they just spoke. Amen? A revelation came up across people that God is a holy God, and if we are to have a right relationship with God, we must be holy people, and we've got to, we've got to be in right relationship. So would you agree with me that God blesses people who pursue godliness and holiness? I believe that. He, he blesses those who pursue it. And I think that in this Hebridean revival, God started n noticing that people were, per were beginning to pursue it. They were not satisfied with how things had been trundling along for so long. And you know what? If we are pure, if we have pure hearts, God honors purity inside us. And I think that sometimes God, and we know that we are continually being refined, the refiner's fire. But is there something about reaching that place where, where there's a purity and God says, you can now steward this revival. I can now trust this to you. The revival fires begin and they go. But then do you know that for three years that revival carried on? It didn't just peter out after a few weeks. For three years then, that had a momentum that kept on going. Amen. And David mentions that word pure. If you go to Psalm 51, create in me a pure heart, O God. And man, that's a prayer we need to pray often. Create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So David says these words and God says, okay, I'm putting my seal on your life. I see the purity in your heart. Even though you've made some dreadful, horrible mistakes and you've committed some really, really awful crimes, having someone sent to the front lines of battle to be cut down in battle so that you could have your way with their wife. All sorts of lusts, problems, and everything else, yet David sought purity. And so God says, can, we, can, I, can I trust you with people's hearts? And this is a hard thing for us all, I think, to say, how do we handle other people's hearts? How do we relate to one another? And I'm saying this morning that if we're in right relationship with God, it makes it easier for us to relate to each other. And so many people, are, we're, we, we're born to be uh, receivers from when we're small. It's like baby Grant back there. He has no problem receiving. When it's dinner time or food time, he's like, I'm ready. Feed me, feed me you know, whatever it is, and we grow up with this, do you know what? We are ready to receive. And a lot of us are like that. We receive things. And when the evangelist or the prophet or the, or the teacher comes through the church, a lot of people come and we're ready to receive. 
But after they're gone, we're still here together. We are still here. How do we relate to one another? So relationship's important. And I think that revival is so tied up in relationship too with everyone who's praying and being ready to steward a revival. Amen. So how do we relate to each other? That's, that's food for thought. I've got to be, we've got to be in a relatable position. Amen. Yesterday we were sitting around at the hall in Vaults Lane and um, above the doors as you walk in, there's um, a stonemason has carved out E-M-H, 1954. And E-M-H stands for Evangelical Mission Hall, 1954. And it just, we spoke about it. It says, this, this was a place of mission in 1954. And we are ready to continue the mission from that very place. Amen? You know, I, I'm really... I'm, I'm rejoicing. No matter what happens, we believe that this outreach into the community, these open doors, open arms, it will prosper. Amen. It will prosper. And I believe it'll not only change our community, but it'll change us. I think the more that we are exposed to our community, the more we are changed, the more we will change, and we need to change I need to change. We all need to change. It sounds like Rocky Balboa there, didn't it? <laughs> but we, you know, and this is, this is the thing. So I'm, I'm excited about it. God's given us what it takes to do what he wants us to do. And there'll be people coming to the hub to receive. But our position's going to be to relate. They will come to receive, but our position is going to be to relate, to relate to them. And if you go, if, if, if in Philippians, Philippians chapter, Philippians chapter 2, verse, verse 4. It says there, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. And so I believe there's a, that we're at a turning point where we're ready to say, okay, we've, we've, it's like that, it's like that, that minister who um, on the, the people rocked up for church one Sunday morning and the doors were closed. And there was a sign on the door saying um, something along the lines of, you've been coming here long enough. Now it's time to go out and do what you've been taught to do. And so, um, but we're, we're, we're ready. We're ready. Amen? We're ready. So this is, I believe it's so apt for Remembrance Sunday. Because back in the First and the Second World Wars, reality changed for the whole nation, hundreds of thousands of people entered into a new reality. The reality was the threat of domination, and domination had consequences. And the threat of domination 
has not only long-term, but it has eternal consequences, everybody. Eternity is something we rarely think about when everything is going fine. But as soon as we are faced with danger, war, all of these things, how, how does that begin to change your heart and your mind and your thinking? And so there are, there are new realities that are trying to impress themselves upon us. And if by, by all accounts, looking around, you'd say, yeah, that is definitely a reality that we're living in. But we don't walk and live in that reality. We are, we, are, we are in this earth, but we're not of it. Amen? So this is why I'm encouraging us all this morning to move into a different dimension to go back to God's word, study it with a passion, amen, and leave, leave the rest to God because we try and intervene with whatever we think is the right thing to do. And I want, I want God to build his church. He's given us all things to do, but he builds his church and we've got to give him room to do that. You know, um, it looked like there wasn't anything happening at that first revival meeting. In fact, they were all ready to leave. And they were, in fact, walking down the aisle when this exact same young man stopped and he wouldn't leave. Something gripped him in his heart. And he said, we're not leaving here, Father God, until, until you respond to our call. They, he said they, they, they weren't going to leave. And... He said, you can't fail us, Lord. You can't fail us. And then he just parked himself down on his knees and he wouldn't move for hours. That was the first meeting of the revival when someone refused to move and called out to God and says, Lord, we know that you, your word tells us that you won't fail us. So now we're going to wait. Don't fail us. Amen. And so everything changes. People in that whole area became more conscious of God than they were of themselves and their surroundings. Amen. And again, it's a supernatural thing. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's, he's having his way. He's doing the ministry. The ministers didn't need to put out altar calls. In fact, the altars were not just were the platforms. The altars were the, the sidewalks, the shops, wherever people were became the altars. That's what happened. So wherever God's presence is, that's where holy ground is. Wherever God's presence is. And do you believe that this is holy ground? And we, every place on which your foot shall tread, the, the Bible says, I have given it unto you. Whether it's a field or a bedroom or a kitchen or, an, or a small hall, whatever, people encountered the Holy Spirit's conviction and they just turned their lives around. And I think we have to, we, we have to dwell on that and know, God, can you, God, we might be saying, God, can you do it again? But maybe we, sh we should be saying, God, do it again. Because we know he can. We know he can, but we, God, do it again. Do it again. The revival just changed people's lives. Everyone wanted to go to prayer. <laughs> That's a revival. Everyone wanted to go to prayer. 
They wanted to win the lost. There was a story of a headmaster lying face down in a field with um, four of his pupils, all young ladies on either side of him saying, give your life to Jesus. And he was just crying out to the Lord. And so about 75% of the population get born again and they've never even seen, uh, well, you, you say they've never, they'd all seen a church, but they were not in the church. They were born again outside of the church. And we are all tempted to think, well, they're all Hebridean islanders and we all know what they're like up there. Does anyone ever think, you know, oh, well, they're all, they're all steeped in religion and doctrine and of course they know all of these things. So why is this such a big deal? Well, it's because probably that can work against you more than for you. And it was a miracle. It was a miraculous thing. And it's just like um, we, Ali, said the other day, there's, 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 there's more felt than telt. There's more felt than telt. And, and they just, the Holy Spirit moved and just moved on people. And they had enough knowledge because they were islanders and they would have everything they do, they would have, you know what, I don't go out in the morning before reading the chapter of the Bible. But somehow it wasn't the knowledge that moved them to salvation and to serve God. It was just knowledge. It was no more than knowledge. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit got involved and, and knowledge, you have the knowledge, but he, he comes in and he takes your heart and you, the re revelation of salvation comes to you. Amen. So it's amazing. Amen. It's amazing. So opposition can arise. There was one village, one village in the area that was resistant to what was happening. And um, that's, it's, 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 it's quite, you know, things sometimes don't change in that respect. Sometimes the church falls foul of two things. One of them we know is organized religion. Because that's what people will say. It's organized religion. I want nothing to do with it. I want to be as far away from organized religion as possible. But the other thing that the church falls foul of is organized opposition. And that actually comes from within the church. And so as we move forward, that's why I'm saying... Let us not be passive, but do what the word says. Do what the word says. Strive for peace. Strive for unity. Strive for right relationships. First with God. If we don't, if, if, if we don't first minister unto the Lord, we cannot minister unto man. Our first ministry is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And our next ministry is to men. So we, we have to have that channel right first. Eventually, the village came about and everything changed. There was one part in the story that was actually quite funny because it must get quite cold up on Lewis. But they said that um, when you've got a crowded church, there's no need for heating. And it's true. There's no need for heating in a crowded church. And so, you know, let's not worry about our heating bills. <laughs> just bring more people to church. Let's just bring more people to church. 
You'll soon be saying, Can you, do you think you could move away a wee bit? It's a wee bit warm. Amen. But just to finish this off, boldness. People prayed boldly. They were bringing God's covenant back before him. And they could do that because their relationship was being purified. And that's why I was, you know, if I go before the, the Lord with unclean hands and an impure heart and I'm beseeching the Lord and I'm even, then it becomes arrogant pride. But if we know that we can come to, come to Jesus with clean hands and a pure heart, that changes everything. Amen. And then I believe that we will start to see the demonstration of the power of God, of the Holy Spirit in the church. And that is what will draw people. It'll be the works and the miracles and the signs that you are doing that will draw people. And people will be drawn when they hear, oh, did you hear what happened to so-and-so when they were in this place or in that place? Can you believe with me for that, church? And these are the testimonies that we want to, that we want to spring up. Amen? The other amazing thing was there was little, like almost zero backsliding. The revival brought people into the family of God and they stayed there. The young people all went away and went into ministry work and missionary work. I mean, we, we, you probably, the legacy of what happened there is probably still having strong repercussions today. And all of it was God-breathed. All of it was God-breathed. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.